Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, in today's episode, we're talking about everyone's favorite topic, farting after 50. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Now, my guest today has a lot of good stuff to share, and I haven't yet addressed it head on in the Women in the Middle podcast, so I'm delighted to have her join us. There's so much stigma about this topic, and you know, we're all farting. I know we're doing it. All the cool kids like you are doing it, so we might as well dive in. But just quick, there are two things I want to tell you before we get started. First, you know I'm a major whale enthusiast. I mean, you know, I talk about it all the time on the podcast. There have been episodes. There have been blogs. It comes up as my passion. You know. So if you love it whenever I talk about whales and whale watching, you're going to love the new blog and whale watching guide that just came out that's all about more mindfulness while you're actually whale watching. So just go to my website at www.susierosenstein.com and click on the blog tab and you'll see it there or you can search for it. It's called More Mindfulness While Whale Watching in Midlife. I'll also put the link in these show notes. If you're going on a whale watch or if you know somebody that is going on a whale watch, you know, it makes so much more sense to increase your mindfulness so you really get everything you can out of that amazing experience. Okay, second, I have a new opportunity to tell you about. I have a new sister podcast called Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, and I'm currently looking for guests. So if you're a woman in the middle who's 50 plus and also an entrepreneur or business owner who's actively dealing with navigating around classic midlife-related obstacles and challenges while you're trying to run your business, <laughs> this new podcast is especially for you. If you're interested in learning more about how to be a guest, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. There's lots more information there so you can see if you're a good fit for this show. Okay, my friend, let me introduce you to my amazing guest on the podcast today. As I mentioned, this episode is about farting after 50. Yep, I said farting. <laughs> and what that means is that it's all about gut health. My guest today is Bonnie Wisner. Bonnie's a nutritionist and well-known digestive health expert. She's helped hundreds of people all over the world get to the bottom of their chronic digestive issues so they can live their lives without the discomfort, embarrassment, and inconvenience of persistent symptoms like chronic constipation, gas, bloating, and heartburn. In her clinical practice, she helps clients discover a healthy balance that's right for them. She believes in the power of food to help optimize our health and improve the symptoms of disease and illness by addressing the root cause. She helps clients by developing sustainable, realistic nutrition and lifestyle plans based on their individual needs. So if you're ready to shine a spotlight on all of the tootin' that's going on and actually start to understand what is going on better, why it seems to be getting worse in midlife, and what you can do about it, get ready because we're going in. And you got to know how tempted I was to put a farting sound effect in the podcast at this very moment, but I resisted. <laughs> 
I don't know. I thought it might be a little over the line. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Let me know if you think I should have put a farting sound effect in here. But anyway, you don't even need the sound effect. We're going to have fun and we're going to learn some good stuff. So I know you will enjoy this episode. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I am very much a woman in the middle, so I'm excited to chat with you today. Yay! And I can't even tell you how excited I am to talk about farting after 50, because come on, girls, we're all doing it. (laughs) It's about time somebody's fessing up to this. I talk about this all day, every day, so I'm thrilled have this conversation. Well, I am with you. I am with you. Okay. But before we get into that topic that I know everybody really wants to talk more about, um, you know, around here on Women in the Middle, I love talking about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. What was going on for you in your 40s? And then how we moved it all forward that you've become a farting after 50 expert. And of course, it's gut health, but you know. (laughs) So tell us all the things, Bonnie. Okay. So I actually this is one of the things that actually attracted me to you and to your podcast and to the work you do or the special area that you're interested in. Um, So I was actually in my forties. I had children. um, My first child when I was 34, 35. And so by the time I have three daughters and by the time my youngest was ready to be in school full time, I had contemplated going back to work. So I was very fortunate. I was able to walk away from um, a marketing slash ad industry career that I had been in for, you know, 13 years. I love what I did, loved it, um, but it really wasn't um, fitting my lifestyle with three young children. And so I was fortunate, like I said, to be able to walk away from it. But I wanted to point out that I walked away from something I love. It wasn't walking away from something that, I was happy to walk away from. Right. Anyways, I also love being a stay-at-home mom. But since we're all, you know, entrepreneur chicks here, I will offer full disclosure and say, even during the time I was home, I actually did sort of start up small businesses and things along the way. Um, So I think I always had that in me. When my daughter went back to school, my youngest, I thought, okay, now's a good time to actually get my toe back into something, as I said, that I really, truly loved and had become quite accomplished that. And unfortunately, a couple of things happened at that point. I found that my confidence was different. Mm. Um, The industry had changed. If anyone's familiar with the ad industry, it's a young person's business. It's not really for even people in their 40s, truly. Um, The hours are insane. Like all the things you classically think of when you think of, you know, the ad industry, like from Mad Men or whatever. A lot of that is, is actual. So it didn't really gel. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do some contract work. And I did actually, uh, I did successfully secure some of that, but it wasn't the same as what I was doing before. And so I wasn't really sure I was going to go all in on that. And I didn't. You know what? what Hang happened- on one sec. I just want to uh, pick up on what you said about not having as much confidence. I'm having a little flashback. I always have little flashbacks with my guests because we're all about <laughs> yeah. the same age. Um, after going back after a maternity leave to my job, and I remember sitting in an office meeting room and totally not being confident about articulating my thoughts. So when I was speaking, I found it wasn't so natural anymore and it didn't have the confidence, not just, you know, I've been talking to babies, 
And yeah. to be able to speak clearly and concisely, I felt very um, shaky about it. I don't think I've ever really talked about that before. It really was a flashback just now. So yeah. um, you raise a good point because, first of all, we all remember vaguely, and I'm remembering this, I hearing you talk too. There's a slight big, a bit of like uh, overexhausted brain fog, right? So you're yes. not as sharp as you typically were before. I actually was really lucky. I went back in between each of my three girls, um, you know, between maternity leaves to go back to the job that I was in. I had great clients. Um, but again, like, you know, you don't walk out the door at five o'clock in the Advents. You just do not. Right. And right. That sounds like a it, big giant disconnect. I'm so glad yeah. that you recognized that. Yeah. It was just a really, it, the fit wasn't there anymore, unfortunately. And, um, Anyways, but after deciding that I wasn't really going to go back, it wasn't like um, the thing that I loved about it wasn't any longer there, basically, like right. it wasn't suiting me anymore. So then I started doing things like, okay, maybe I'll just like get a job, you know, like any job kind of just to fill time. And then, you know, you go into places like Indeed.com and like, here I was, somebody who was basically running one of the top three marketing ad businesses for one of the top three fast food chains in the world to now suddenly going on to indeed.com and no disrespect to anyone who does administrative work at all. That was never my strong suit. Actually, I give people credit if it is, but suddenly feeling like I was um, unqualified for jobs that um, paid a heck of a lot less than I was used to earning. Right. 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 So it really was um, a bit of a mind um, game, right? And then I wanted, I decided that, okay, now I felt like I was at a crossroads and I wanted to do something kind of meaningful that connected to things that were important to me. I have a, a history of inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, and was always interested in um, nutrition, kind of um, the idea of food being a medicinal thing. Um, having gone through the system medically with Crohn's, I always felt disappointed the type of information that I was receiving. Um, so I kind of was now thinking, not for the first time, by the way, but truly sincerely giving um, thought to going back to school and studying to become either a registered dietitian or a nutritionist. So at that point in my life, it made more sense to go back um, to school to become, to study at the Canadian School of Holistic Nutrition. It fit a little bit more with my philosophy around things and also wasn't as um, intense, for lack of a better word. And so that's what I did. And fortunately, I literally was super nervous, like super nervous about doing this. Wow, I was excited because yeah. I love to learn like you do, but and probably most of the people listening do. But I was nervous about, about failure, honestly. Sure. Like whether I could actually go on, you had to study about a minimum of 10 to 12 hours a week outside of class time. And this was um, in, per in person, right? It was in person. Yeah. Wow. It was, was part-time in person, but um, it, it was a big deal because I was the type of person going down the business route who basically, as soon as I was able to drop sciences in high school, no <laughs> parental involvement, I was out of it. Right. And then I had to go back and revisit that and take things like chemistry and physics and biochemistry. And I was nervous about that. That takes so much nerve to do what you did. I guess so. But at the time I just felt nervous and they were really 
the school was amazing with me. I don't know why, but I approached them and said, look, maybe because I was literally one of the oldest students <laughs> in the program, but I approached them and said, look, I don't know 100% about this. I'd like to kind of go one course and see how I do. And they, I, if, if my memory serves me correctly, that worked for at least the first few courses. It was fine. And I was all in. I mean, I was in love with sitting in class and learning and about what I was learning. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it ended up, it ended up working out for me. I did do it, um, like I said, part-time, but the studying piece, like you could find me at my spot in the library during the day while my kids were at school, you know, it was intense, but it was invigorating. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then um, when I graduated, I have to say, this is where the benefit of agent experience helped me because a lot of young women, I actually take on interns or yeah, interns from the school that I graduated from now because we don't learn a lot about how to be in business as a practitioner at right. school. And because of my background and because of my life experience and my professional experience, I actually really, the benefit was I really did feel well positioned create a business out of this now. Oh, I love that you I love that you said that because one of the topics we talk about quite a bit on the podcast is this idea of transferable skills that we're not just yeah. older, we're older and wiser. <laughs> and yeah. all of your experience in advertising in corporate in business, you've met so many people, you had so many experiences and you're just like a human with more trips around the sun yeah. uh with with um like an, an interest in it. So of course you were ready to roll. That is great. And yeah. I find that so many of us don't, um, we don't appreciate the value we bring by our experience that may be a soft skill. Yeah. Some of them it's are hard so skills, true. some are soft. It's so true. And if I had seen ahead to that, if I had actually, again, it was a confidence thing. So it's kind of a mindset, right? Yeah. Because if I had, if I had seen ahead to that, I wouldn't have been as nervous as I was. I would have looked at it as more acquiring more, more layers of more knowledge, exactly. which is ultimately what it was. So I can't say enough about how much the experience worked out, um, certainly in favor. Having said that, it's not easy to start any business. So I don't want to make it sound like. Oh, you know, don't worry. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Oh, my God. It's not yeah. for the faint of heart. But yeah. you definitely had uh you you had a, a bit of a jump start, even though, like you just said, you would never think of it that way. But you yeah. noticed, I would imagine, within a year or two that you had uh, you had that going for you. Yeah, because I had ideas about what to do, how to develop business. I remember, though, um, so I was 50 when I graduated and when I started my practice. So I've been doing this for uh, almost nine years now. And when I when I finished, I. This is gonna. This is weird, actually. But anyways, I had never been um, like on the inside of a holistic um, practitioner practice, right? I had never been to see, or sorry, I had been as a patient once to see a naturopath, but I didn't know how these businesses work. So I approached a holistic um, a healthcare office and uh, and applied to be um, kind of a receptionist, like just to see how this all worked on the inside. Sort That's of so smart, I, like a paid internship. <laughs> yeah, before I, I was the worst receptionist, I just want to say that. So ultimately, <laughs> I worked into trading um, office space for like helping them with their marketing, their web like stuff and everything, which was Brilliant. a whole other story. 
But, um, but it was amazing because I was now surrounded by very successful and experienced naturopaths and, and chiropractors and acupuncturists. So I was actually modeling what I saw. You could see, because a lot of people think that um, allied health services, like especially holistic practitioners, don't necessarily have viable businesses, nutritionists in particular, because there's no like jobs for holistic nutritionists, right, um, per se. And so it was really valuable, again, just to see people doing it in real time and like very successfully. So oh, I love that. I, yeah, I love that too. I really was so encouraged by that. However, going back to the 50 and just graduated piece, there was a woman who actually was a holistic nutritionist also sharing space in that office, great group of people. And she and I were talking very early in that when I joined and she said, she was about five years older than me. And she said, yeah, you know, it takes about five years to sort of <laughs> get going with a practice. And I was like, oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> She wasn't wrong. She exactly. Wasn't wrong. I know. It takes yeah, time so for sure. Well, I love neat. I love that story. And now how would you describe the number one thing that kept moving you forward to grow in that direction? I think part of it is a personality thing. But when I speak to people and they ask me this question, I always say, don't let your fear hold you back. If you are, if you have an idea about something, anything could be personal, could be professional. Um, you know, if you have, I mean, I really, I love learning and I like doing new things and I kind of do like, but the fear could have very easily, it probably did. I think I had, like I said, I had this whole idea of going to explore nutrition uh, as an education at least two years before I started. And for whatever reason, I didn't. Right. Oh my God, Bonnie, fear held me back for five years. Right. So my, my biggest <laughs> advice or the thing that I learned about myself, not just for this, but even other things that I encounter now is just do it afraid. Like don't wait till you're not afraid. Do it right. when you are afraid and the world's not going to crumble. Like in fact, it'll probably be amazing. Leah, and you won't die. You won't, you, you know, it'll be scary. Um, yeah. But you know, I, uh, fear is just an emotion like the other hundreds of emotions we have that are created by our thoughts. So even thinking something that helps you appreciate that fear won't kill you <laughs> is, yeah. is usually, and I'm not talking about true life or death situations, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to just really challenge yourself on fear. And what I always say is, do you like your reasons for making the decision you're making? So if you realize that you're not doing it because you're scared is that a cool enough reason for you to make right. that decision if you like your reason fine if you don't like your reason then you can challenge yourself a little bit okay yeah. so we have that fear to um thank actually because here you are helping women over 50 with farting so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what is going on um, in menopause and when we're over 50 with everything down there and gas and bloat and farting and all everything. What's happening? Okay. It's a great question. Um, it really is an important question to ask because we don't talk about it a lot, but I work predominantly with women who are kind of peri and menopause aged, helping them with their digestive issues. The reason that I think a lot of people aren't aware of why women in our age bracket actually have um, this challenge. And actually I've read estimates 
I think the estimate is so about 10 to 13 percent of the average population actually has issues with digestion, everything from IBS to just chronic digestive issues. So not once in a while bloating, like all the time issues, wow. right? That's that's a pretty big number. It actually exceeds the number of people who have cardiovascular issues, for example. Right. Wow, yeah. But uh, I believe, but um, I've read estimates that suggest that women in peri and menopause age brackets, that number jumps up to around 38 to 40%. And I've read estimates that go as high as 75%. Um, so I don't think there's a, a, an absolute number in that's been tracked. However, for obvious reasons, we don't talk about it. No, but we don't. Tell you, <laughs> Except in our family when our kids make fun of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God forbid, or make fun of the husband, you know, who's who's openly farting or whatever. Oh, but, totally. <laughs> we totally make fun of that. There's some fundamental reasons um, for this. One of them is our diet. I mean, standard North American diets are not really, um, you know, gut supportive. They're not health supportive. So they're certainly not gut supportive. But I think among our age bracket for women, um, one of the most significant connections, there's two actually. If you think about two classic things um, for women in menopause, one of them is you'll speak to women and they'll tell you that their anxiety is heightened, right? They feel yes. more stressed um, than ever. Even women who are heading into like the beginning stages of retirement who have children who are out of the house, adult children are still feeling a bit unsettled. That's one reason so there's anxiety and what's the other major complaint sleep right Our totally sleep is disrupted yeah. by hormone imbalance so there are very significant connections between um both of those areas of lifestyle i'll call them or whatever of life and gut health so gut health affects both of both of those things so your gut and your brain are intimately connected we know that there's a relationship um the pathway between our gut and our brain that causes both anxiety, depression, and gut concerns, like actual function dysfunction of digestion. And we also know that in sleep, quality and length of our sleep could impact our gut function because it actually has an impact on, not to get too technical, but the composition of our gut bacteria, which is very, as we know, we're learning literally minute by minute, is very significant to not only our uh, gut health, but to our overall health, right, systemic health. So those are the two significant reasons why women at this stage of life actually are experiencing things that are chronic, bloating, um, you know, a lot of people will consider uh, even weight gain or weight loss are two things that um, can be connected back to gut function. Uh, because of the uh, you know absorption issues, and I'll explain that in a minute if you'd like. Anyway, I, I'm still just I'm still processing this because I was running through what is she going to say? What is she going to say? What are the top two things? I would have <laughs> never guessed anxiety and sleep, ever. But I mm -hmm. wanted to just start with if you could define what exactly we're referring to with gut. I don't even know what's included in sure. gut. For sure. So. Our body sustain it, sustains itself based on the nutrients that it receives, right? So you can eat and eat meat, but you're not necessarily going to get all the nutrients that you require if your body's not breaking it down and absorbing it well. 
So based on the numbers, the percentages that I just um, spoke about earlier, it seems that for women in our age bracket, a lot of people are actually having difficulty with that component of it, the absorption or the breakdown. Digestion, gut health, is twofold. First of all, gut health, I guess these days, is actually determined by um, the integrity or the balance of bacteria that exists in our microbiome. So that's the technical part of it. But from a functional, and that does affect function as well, but from a purely functional point of view, um, we see food, we start to salivate, the enzymes that are required to break down food start in our saliva, Car carbohydrates are broken down there. Digestion is a cascade. So every step, like an assembly line, every single step has to be working in functional order in order for things to happen properly and for us not to experience these symptoms that are really just fallout from faulty digestion, right? Mm. And, and so like gas, for example, because we did promise everyone, everyone's oh, yes. titillated because we want to talk about farming, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of people definitely are challenged by the bloating gas. I mean, both of those are just air traveling up and down and they can be, I mean, that can actually happen for so many reasons why we might have gas, um, fermentation, because things, you know, timing, so things might not be happening in that digestive cascade in the right time frame. So food sits in your stomach, ferments, you might not have enough stomach acid to break down the food. That's one reason that could happen. There are numerous reasons why this could happen. But going back to what I was talking about regarding, let's even talk about, I think, the stress component, right? The anxiety and stress component. So, and at this stage of life, um, there's so many wonderful things that happen. But as a woman, for example, my age now, who has three young adult children, I never would have imagined that my concerns for my three young adult children in some ways exceeded my worries for my three toddlers, right? Like no exactly. one would imagine that. But parents are parents, right? So, and then of course, you know, transitioning out of or into new careers. A lot of women at this stage feel less valuable in their careers. Relationship issues. I don't need to tell you all the issues. Like you hear them all the time. Yeah, and we and we interview a lot of people experiencing this stuff too. And I guess right. the other thing with menopause is it's just, there's just so much that most of us don't understand about hormone changes in menopause and these spinoff things that may or may not be related to that or to just aging. So one of the biggest shocks I had over the last two years was I used to be a dairy lover. Mm -hmm. I oh, was yes. a person I would go out to eat with people and, you know, everybody around me would have 10 million concerns and have to discuss all their dietary issues, sensitivities, allergies with the waiter. And I was always the one, oh, nothing. I got nothing. Bring it on. No problems at all. And then, oh, my God, like I things really changed. And now I have a dairy problem. Yeah. And it turns out it's uh, I'm not alone in that with being my age and having a, yeah. a dairy issue. So yeah. we really we aren't that aware of what the statistics are and the things that could likely happen because of hormones, because of aging, because of menopause. And we're unaware and disconnected from our thoughts and feelings anyway. So feelings, not just emotional, but definitely emotional, but also physical. There's a huge disconnection 
with our autopilot lifestyles and the narratives we tell ourselves about why things are happening and whether we've been trained to minimize things and not talk about things. And it's just a big, confusing mess with the disconnection, the unawareness, the ignorance. (laughs) Help us. People are people are so busy. So I think that people's intentions are really good around trying to I find women I work with and probably you too. um, They're very uh, motivated, right to do the right things. Everybody at this stage of life, you have a natural inclination towards trying to be a little bit more um, hands on or preventative about your health, right? Those are the options. You're either that way, or you're you're sticking your head in the sand. There's very little in between that I but in order to do that you it's not just information it's action and some of these things have to do with habit change which, are, which is very very difficult and it is more to do the, with mindset you can google till you're blue in face and get a lot of good information right but i want to actually go back to a couple of things we just talked about for just a minute so just regarding the dairy that could be a result of a few things it could be a result of digestive insufficiency. So we have enzymes that serve us that, you know, naturally occur in our body specifically to break down certain foods. But what people don't realize is that over the age of 40, um, from a physiological perspective, our body actually produces less of these resources. So like the inclination towards, um, you know, osteoarthritis, which is an aging concern, right? Our body isn't designed to live forever or to, sorry, to um, sustain forever, right? To be viable forever. So that's a, one potential reason. But the other reason is, I mean, there's a whole bunch of controversy around dairy in general in North America. I'm going to stay away from that one. But the other reason is that, um, you know, just as an opinion, this is my professional opinion, when it comes to dairy or food intolerant reactions in general, oral intolerance in general, like, we do tend to overdo it on certain foods, right? And <laughs> yeah. the portion is the poison. And dairy is like, for sure, a North American's laziest protein, right? Yeah. So I think that's partly also. Oh, come um, on. Cheese is heavenly. Well, and it's I'm, a good addictive, for sure. I never right? imagined I wouldn't have cheese in my life. I really, that was the hardest thing for me. Yeah. And the dairy uh, substitute cheeses really aren't. They're not great. No, no. <laughs> they're not but great. I want to I connect that, the oral intolerance is what we call it, also to other reasons that could be happening. In your case, though, you may have decided for yourself, Susie, that you've noticed it specifically with dairy. But very often, the women I work with have been through, like, they, they're literally turning themselves inside out, trying to figure out which foods are creating their symptoms. And very often, it's not the food. And so just to delve into the other piece I wanted to return to, um, which is the idea of the connection between stress and the impact it has on digestion. Mm. Our bodies are designed in such a way, our nervous system is designed in such a way that when we are under duress, when our body is in sympathetic stress mode, by nature, by evolutionary nature, it downregulates stress, uh, pardon me, digestion as a function. So all of the things that need to happen, remember I told you about the cascade, Mm. all of the things that need to happen to help your body break down food, if you're doing it while you're engaged in stress mode, you're going to have suboptimal digestion. And if you have suboptimal digestion, you may not be 
accessing the enzymes required to break down dairy, as an example, and therefore having a reaction, right? So I just wanted to sort of tie that together, but to, to bring it back to for anyone listening who's interested in the menopause connection. So this is interesting. You could think of yourself as a cool cucumber, but the fact is that when we are going through hormonal transition through menopause, very often estrogen naturally drops in relation to progesterone. But more importantly, estrogen drops. When estrogen drops, the way that our physiology reacts is cortisol increases. Cortisol is one of our stress hormones, as you know. When cortisol increases, it signals to our nervous system, things are not so cool. And so again, digestion could be impacted because mm. we slide out of parasympathetic mode into sympathetic mode, which isn't good for digestion. So there's a lot of implements that one can, like sort of like insurance, you know, do certain things to try and combat that. We can't deal with um, the physiological impact of what I just said in a 24 hour period, we're not going to solve it, right? It's a more long-term initiative. So even like looking at the digestive piece as a vulnerability, and if you think of it as a teeter-totter and really weighing heavily on stress management techniques on the other side of the teeter-totter, just to hold up digestion is a good strategy. So, so more like massages it. is what you're saying. <laughs> I think I, I would go for that for sure. More massages, definitely, especially if you don't want to fart in public area. <laughs> so I know that you've got um, a freebie, which is awesome, called Five Tips to Improve Digestion Now, a guided mm-hmm. five-day email series to help women struggling with chronic, uncomfortable, and embarrassing, which is most likely the gas part, digestive <laughs> issues. Can you uh, talk to us about a couple of those tips? Absolutely. So, you know, I think I, I alluded earlier, or you had said as well, sometimes it's about starting with the simple things. Even if you look back to what we were talking about when I entered into going back to school, right? Bite off what you can chew. It becomes overwhelming because we do Google and we find all the information and yeah. then we think we have to implement everything. It's really counterproductive. So this series actually takes you through simple things like hydration. Hydration is critical to a good operating digestive system. And most of us don't hydrate well. Like the old adage of trying a regular size adult needing between six and eight um, pure glasses of water a day. And by pure, I just mean not coffee, juice and other things and pop as hydration with just water. Um, is a very real thing. I mean, water helps nutrients travel where they need to go. Water helps, you know, loosen our bowels, et cetera, et cetera. So that's like a simple one. Yeah. Um, another area, two other, well, they're sort of related to other um, things that this series helps explain and um, help someone implement is two other things that are significant to um, optimizing digestion. One is most North Americans have well below what the required amount of fiber is in their daily diet. And so paying attention day by day to trying to get enough fiber in your diet is really, really significant. That alone could sometimes change the whole landscape for somebody. And variety. We tend to eat a lot of the same foods all the time. Yeah. And if you go back to what I was saying about our microbiome, 
our microbiome um, is, you know, hundreds of trillions of bacteria that are living organisms that also have food preferences and requirements. So if you eat the same food all the time, you're not necessarily nourishing all of the good bacteria in your gut. So those are two, I mean, they're pretty easy, actually, if you're given proper direction to try and um, change fairly quickly. There's, oh, yeah. What are a couple of great sources of fiber? Oh, well, I mean, chia seeds, fruits and vegetables will still always be the most nutrient sor- um, sources of fiber, right? I don't think people realize if you're a raspberry lover, this will make you happy. But a half a cup of raspberries has probably the highest amount of fiber per serving of almost any fruit or vegetable. I think it's seven grams of fiber and a half a cup of raspberries, which wow. is pretty, hot, pretty high. Who doesn't um, like raspberries? They're delicious. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, gr- absolutely. Grains get vilified, right? Based yeah. on the whole old-fashioned low-carb model of looking at diet. And grains are an excellent source of fiber. But when you are choosing grains, you know, multi-grain. So try and uh, mix, again, going back to the variety piece, you know, don't only always have wheat. Try and look for more um, fiber-dense grains. Just to give you a couple of examples, I mean, things like kiwi. Kiwis, people don't realize, are a good source of fiber. Um, oh, I really, love learning about little um, ways to get a good shot of fiber that are delicious. <laughs> yeah, really important. So you don't always have to lean on supplements for fiber. The truth is that the nutrient density that we're missing is mostly existing in the fruits and vegetables that we're not eating. And we're not, we're not eating enough of it. So, and, you know, some of us living in where we live in Canada or in, in the northern part of, of the hemisphere, for example, um, where you go through winter, you know, we might, or, or seasonal unavailability of certain fruits and vegetables. I just want to say fruits and vegetables are great frozen. There's no like nutrient mm. concern about that. So lean on those options so that they're always available. We don't want stuff to go to waste, right? Right, right. Um, So I guess what you're saying, not only will this help with bloat, generally speaking, but it sounds like you're also talking about pooping more regularly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Fiber is the key and hydration. So again, depending on who's listening and what your diet is like, if you mostly have protein and carbs, for example, right? Um, And you're really probably, I mean, fiber is a carbohydrate, just to be clear, but I'm talking about like, um, you know, a lot of like going through the Tim Hortons drive-through for breakfast and a muffin—that's a muffin and coffee or whatever. Like if you have a lot of simple carbs in your diet and you're trying to do right by your digestion or your constipation issue by adding fiber, which is really the best strategy, always remember to add water. Even if you're drinking six to eight glasses of water a day, because you could end up more bloated and more constipated um, by adding fiber without hydration. You know, I'm really glad you brought up this water thing. I've had water on my uh, goal list now for this is my second year. And it is a challenge to drink the recommended amount of water. And I have some friends who are good at it. And I have heard over and over that they chug the water in the morning. Like they just have it part of their morning kitchen routine. And they don't just have one glass, but they do a fair chug and get like, a, it's kind of like exercising in the morning concept that once you do it, yep. it's out of the way. It's true. Um, yeah. And Not only that, but we wake up naturally dehydrated. Right. So I actually advise my clients to keep a glass of water by their nightside table. So even before they have their coffee or they, 
if oh, you that's good. Your teeth, because you won't believe like about 98% of the people I talk to in, in their intake form, for example, say they wake up unrested, feeling unrested. Part of that is dehydration. So mm. you'll notice that if you have a glass of water, try it upon waking, you will feel more energized when you get out of bed. Quite interesting. And actually, Susie, our listeners can't see this, but I'm about to send you, it was going to be a surprise, but I'm going to make your life easier by sending you a ship nutrition glass that actually will help you monitor because it has oh. like the additions. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, Bonnie, this has been great. And I know that farting's never going to completely go away, but farting is funny and we have to keep the humor funny. as midlife yeah. women. So yeah. do you have any recommendations on how to lean into the humor of the whole farting thing? Honestly, I think the only thing we can do is laugh and also make other people comfortable by being more open about it. There's so many things we go through at this stage of life, right? Through menopause. Um, not just farting. There's so many things we go through that we don't talk about. And so I think just talking about it with our girlfriends, even, um, you know, takes sort of the uh, the limit off of it. Yeah, right? the stigma, like, definitely. The stigma yeah. away from it. I think just be the first one. And I assure you, your friends will laugh and they'll also feel comfortable then sharing their story about things like that. The other thing is... Um, I mean, the reality is that, you know, having consistently having gas and stuff, and, you know, I don't want to belittle it into nothing. The truth is, it is suggestive of the idea that there is something potentially going on that could be more connected to your overall. So I really, mm. I mean, I'm serious when I say it's best to like try and look into it or seek out a practitioner who could help you figure it out because the reality is that if if, for example, you're someone who is farting, but you're struggling to lose weight, right? Um, if your body's not accessing nutrients and, and maldigestion is one of the reasons why it might not be, you're constantly going to be hungry, right? So you're not going to be able yeah. to curb your appetite. Anyway, not to go back to the serious. No, no, no. I'm glad you did because I guess a fart is like a, a pound, like it's a clue. So mm -hmm. you have to look at exactly. it as data. And exactly. keep a sense of humor about it. And, you know, yeah. you can always, <laughs> you can always lead with, do you want to pull my finger? <laughs> exactly. But connecting back to the talking about a part. Yeah. Nobody would know that even unless we talked about it. That is, right? that's so. hilarious. You're right. I mean, I would never, I can't see bringing up farting as a topic. I would do it. But like, if I had to fart in a group of anybody other than my family members, it just would yeah. not happen. I would, yeah. I would run out someplace else <laughs> far away yeah. or, yeah. or I would just, um, well, besides uh, I would just be in pain. Besides <laughs> the embarrassment, there's the smell, there's the, yeah. And a lot of, All of it. Around, people walk, walk around cramping because they're holding, and it's a mess, right? It is a mess. Yeah. yeah. We got to uh, stay outside. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bonnie, thank you so much. Where can people get a hold of you, especially to get this five tips uh, free guide? So if you go to my website, www.bonniewisner, Wisner is W-I-S-E-N-E-R.com, um, you can find a link to sign yourself up automatically for that information for the guided email series. It also comes with um, a suggested seven-day meal plan. Um gut friendly meal plan, which is awesome and recipes. Um, but the other place I hang out a lot and I invite anybody who's struggling 
with digestive issues and wants um, credible information to join me there. It's a free Facebook group called Shift Into Healthy Habits for Digestive Health. Um, and I, I would love to have you there actually throughout the month of March. Every month they sort of focus on a topic of concern or support. And throughout the month of March, we will be focusing on sleep. Um, and so there'll be lots of tips um, related to getting better sleep. And the last place I guess is I spend, I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram, but <laughs> so I'm at Shift Nutrition and Instagram as well. And I would love to see anybody there. Okay, that is great. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes, of course. And if you're listening to this at a time that is not near March, don't worry, because there's always something fun going on in the Facebook group. Uh, Bonnie, thank you so much. I mean, I know we're making fun of the whole farting thing, but it is serious. It's embarrassing. It's it doesn't, you know, make you feel good about yourself. And um, <laughs> and it happens. And so I want, as usual, all the women in the middle listening to know that you're not alone. And to have as much fun with it as you're comfortable. <laughs> there you go. That, that's it. Thanks so much, Bonnie. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode. Well, there you have it, my friend. We all fart. So are you up for the challenge of talking about it more? <laughs> I'd love for you to let me know what happens when you're out for a glass of wine or a coffee with your girlfriends and you bring it up just for fun. But seriously, it's a thing. And just like the focus I placed on your pathetic panties on a few episodes over the years, I knew this was important to talk about. Menopause symptoms are real. Stress and dehydration are problems. Bad sleep is a thing. We need help. <laughs> so Bonnie was quite clear that food is sometimes the issue, but it's not always the issue. And, you know, it's really worth getting some professional support to help you sort it all out. Because this has really been a thing for me personally in the last two years with dairy, I've really started to appreciate the mindfulness piece of it. How present are you when you eat, right? Really think about it. How connected are you to the way you feel when you're eating and after you're eating? Like all of it. What is your morning routine? How mindful are you of how you feel and the difference in your energy and general feeling depending on your routine? what you're eating, what you're drinking, um, just all the things you're doing. How well are you sleeping? Are you eating at night? What else is going on with you and your body and how disconnected are you? I found I was quite surprised at how disconnected I was when I started to feel differently and then, you know, eventually not so great. <laughs> it seemed so murky and unclear, but I really was kind of oblivious to the puzzle pieces and how they fit together. I just remember how it all came out for me and it seemed like it was sudden. But when I think back, it wasn't sudden. I either didn't notice what was going on and or I was ignoring or minimizing or poo-pooing it. No pun intended. Well, maybe there's a pun intended. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it just, I wasn't taking it seriously. And murky is the best word I know to describe how like it was just blurry to me. It was not an obvious cause and effect. Now, of course, you can get better at all of this stuff too. It's one of those things we work on when you do coaching and mindfulness work. It's all part of becoming the woman you want to be and having fewer regrets. Why wouldn't you want to do more to help yourself feel better? Like so many other things in your life, when you practice being more aware and mindful, you're really empowering yourself to take your personal power back one thought at a time, and in this case, one fart at a time. 
Okay. As you know, you know what? Farts are funny, as we discussed, and I just can't help myself. It, it's so funny. But anyway, like I was saying, this podcast, it is about bringing some humor into your life about these serious midlife issues. But it is really all about how to love your life again after 50, how to love your life more. You know, it's all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. And mindfulness is the key ingredient to regret-proofing your life. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. And it's really how to grow forward. So as you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. So being stuck doesn't mean you have to be completely immobilized, right? You don't need to be like as if you were stuck in mud. It could just be that you're not where you want to be in your life in general, or your business, perhaps. Or maybe it's the intersection of the two. Another common reason you might feel off is that you're just too darn busy and you have no work-life balance. The bottom line is that you know you're meant for more and you don't want to waste valuable time. So if you're ready to make some important changes and want to be way more clear about what you want and how to get there, I can totally help. You just have to learn the skills to move forward and regret-proof your life. And you can do that with some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women. I would love to help you create the success you're craving. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy. You can absolutely be more fulfilled than ever before. So email me your questions and let's talk about it. Go ahead and book your momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 297. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week.